Welcome to the Artist Work Ethic Podcast. I'm Mike Pilak. I'm a screenwriter and filmmaker who's always looking to maximize my time and potential as I work to break in. In this podcast, I talk to artists of all kinds who have seen success in their fields about their process, habits, and work ethic. Today on the show is Joe Sid. Joe is a musician, a comedian, and record label owner. He achieved major label success with his band Wax in the early and mid-90s before forming the band 22 Jacks. At the same time as 22 Jacks, he also co-founded the record label Side One Dummy Records. In recent years, he's broken into the stand-up comedy world, frequently appearing alongside Jim Brewer and even touring with Metallica. My favorite Joe Sid fact is that his band Wax was the band playing at the party inside the dome in the movie Biodome. Joe, thanks for coming on with me today. Thanks for having me, man. Super psyched to see you, Mike. So as long as I've known you, which has been, man, about 15 years now, you've been super busy. You've done Wax, 22 Jacks, Side One Dummy, podcasts, radio shows. You've transitioned to a comedian, successful to the point that Metallica took you on tour. Um, How do you keep up that drive and focus and energy to have been successful in so many different areas? Tons and tons of caffeine, coffee. Uh, I'm a, I love coffee. It's, I, I've never done any drugs in my entire life. And uh, I know that people consider caffeine a drug and I am fully into coffee, caffeine. That's definitely a, a, a point for me. But I mean, I think for me, man, just growing up, you know, I grew up in a really, I don't know, in a cool time, you know, in the 80s and punk rock hit the suburbs. I was in the right place at the right time. And I think punk rock really turned me on to a lot of individuals that were doing a lot of different things. You know, the people that in- inspired me were Ian McKay, you know, Brett Gerowitz, you know, Fat Mike, you know, a lot of those different people, they definitely inspired me to do a lot of different things. And I think that like the punk rock ethic and the punk rock uh, attitude of we're going to put on our own shows, we're going to make our own records, you know, really spoke to me as a kid. And I think that as that kind of grew, I just got more and more interested in wanting to not wait for people to tell me how we were going to do something instead wanting to do it myself and wanting to do it myself. That would always be something like whether it was putting together a punk rock show or starting my first band or any of those type of things. So I always think, I always think that was something that was super inspiring to me. You already mentioned coffee aside from coffee. coffee. (laughs) How do you structure your day to be as productive and creative as possible? It's getting up in the morning, making a list of what you want to do and trying to really write down everything. Because I feel like when you see it on paper, at least for me, it makes such a difference. If I see 10 things I want to do, and a lot of those things are super small things to do, like, you know, go for a jog. Um, And then there's always like writing. Like I feel as like a comic, I want to write something every day. Now, a lot of times I write stuff and it ain't funny. And I'm sure a lot of people that see my comedy, they're like, yeah, dude, it ain't funny. Um, (laughs) But it's like, for me... I kind of have the two worlds of being a musician and then being a stand-up. So it's like, I like to use the attitude, what I learned from guys like Daniel Ray or Ed Stasium, these music producers that were always telling me, you got to write every day. So as far as it goes with comedy and music, it's writing down on a piece of paper, hey man, I need to write something today. Then there's just the list of all the other things you want to do. In some cases, it's you know returning a call to my agent 
and saying, Hey man, you know, I'm in Buffalo. How do we come back and do shows here? Like that's something I was working on today. I'm also trying to, I'm in the middle of writing like all these short stories. So today I was like, I got to finish one of those. And it's, it's really kind of just making that list of everything that you want to do. And then, you know, with side one dummy records, it's having that list of different things that I have to do in that world. Uh, you know, speak to, you know, an artist on the label, speak to Thomas, you know, our, uh, our, uh, CEO, you know, and, and, and then talking to my partner, Bill Armstrong, you know, so I would say to keep everything in order, I suggest making a list every morning. And I know, I know that some people be like, well, maybe there's not a lot going on, but the way you get stuff going on is by writing it on paper. I cannot stress that enough. Like, I know it sounds crazy, but it's like, things have happened in my life that I literally wrote on paper. Like, you know, like even opening for Jim Brewer, like I'm out on the road with Jim and I've been touring with him for close to like three, four years, but there was a time, dude, I didn't know him. And I literally wrote on paper, you know, reach out to Jim Brewer's people because he's coming to San Diego and I want to try to open. And, you know, I'd get told no, like, yeah, we already got a guy. Okay, cool. But I, I just kept consistent with that. I would, I would research like, all right, when's this comic coming or when's Jim coming? And then sooner or later, you know, we met each other and, and then it kind of all fell into place. So like that wouldn't have come though from if I wouldn't have written it down. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, I'm a huge list person too. I do. I have a daily list. I have a yearly list. I set goals for myself each year that are attainable. And then I have a daily list on top of that. And that's something that I find just hugely useful from a motivational standpoint and just an organizational standpoint. I know what I need to accomplish that day. Some of them are easy that are going to take me two seconds and I get the satisfaction of crossing them off. But some are kind of those bigger items that, you know, I've, I've got to work on a bit. Totally. And I, and I feel like that's the, that's the beauty to the list. And I, and I know this sounds crazy, but you know, when Bill and I started side one dummy 27 years ago, I, you know, when I was in wax, I used to write the list when I was in my first punk band, when I was a kid, I, I didn't know it at the time. I just wrote everything down. And it's so strange. And you'll remember this, Mike. I don't know if you remember being in the, you know, down in the warehouse, but remember at the end of the year, we'd kind of have that party, but like we would spend that last week of whatever it was in December. And we kind of, we would, everyone would be like, all right, man, we got to ship this to the warehouse. Cause you know, we're not using that anymore. Or, Hey man, you know, we are going to, you know, move this over here. But one of the things I used to always bring down to the warehouse was I would bring down my to-do list for that year. And it's so crazy because in the warehouse somewhere side one dummy, there are my to-do lists from 1995 all the way through 2000, say 10 of like, and it's so weird because one time when we were moving offices, I, I found this box and I'm um, Alex used to run our warehouse. He's like, Hey man, what do you want me to do with all these? Like you have all these notes. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And, and I was looking at them, dude. And it was like notes from like 1997. And I swear to God, some of the notes were like, were like things like reach out to like Matt Hensley of flogging Molly. Little did I know that this band would become, you know, who they are. Or I'd find other notes on there. Like, you know, call Debbie wonder at Conan O'Brien, you know, like just, and you know, then all of a sudden, you know, you, our bands got on, you know, they got on Conan O'Brien. And, and you know, at the time, it seems silly when you're writing down these lofty goals, but I'm telling you, it doesn't happen unless you write it down with your, you know, hand, you know, pen to paper and you see it visually. Cause I really believe that makes the universe aware that you want this to happen. 
And that to me has been the key to so much of the great, I guess you'd say success that we achieved with side one dummy or I've achieved, you know, personally with things that I wanted to do. What do you think fostered your drive in you at a young age? My parents, for sure. I mean, my mom and my dad, they both worked, you know, they both, you know, they were, my dad was a a English professor, linguist, uh, you know, always, always interested in turning me on to new things, whether it was music, whether it was writing, whether it was books, you know, unfortunately when I was a kid, I didn't really read a lot because I was just so into punk rock and skateboarding. It was like, my dad used to say to me like, dude, you know, like there's more to life than skateboarding and punk rock. And I, I kind of was like, really, you know, <laughs> is there, you know, and, and I would say my mom's work ethic, you know, she, um, when my parents got separated, you know, my mom got a real estate license and she worked for herself and I used to watch her just put in the hours and she loved working. Like some of my, some of my best moments that I remember with both of my mom and dad was, and this is, you know, I lived with my dad when I was 15 on, but, um, one of my favorite things I always remember about my mom and dad was they would get up in the morning and they were stoked to go to work. They loved what they did. You know, my dad would get up in the morning, he'd put his suit on, he'd have his coffee, he'd be excited to go into work. My mom, the same thing. You know, my mom, a lot of times she was one of the first people I knew that worked from home and she had her own office. Like she dialed in this, you know, she took her garage and she made it into her own office, but not like, not like some, you know, random railer office. Like she had like, you'd set up killer, you know, like it looked like an office and, and I had her own phone line in there, you know, and her own fax machine. And what I loved about it was that really to me, just, I liked being around that energy. So I think I, I got, I got an early, uh, visual of what it was like to love what you do. And I think at a young age, I was like, man, I, I like that. Like, I want to, I want to do that. I don't want to be someone that's bummed on going to work. And, you know, that's not to say I had, you know, a lot of jobs that I wasn't stoked on, but my parents definitely fostered that work ethic for sure. You've been a bit of a chameleon and you've done so many different things. How do you, what pushes you to go from project to project? I think, I think I go from project to project because that's what you do to want to get up in the morning. Um, you know, during COVID-19, man, I didn't have projects and, um, that made me realize how much I took for granted the ability to do what I wanted and to be able to create with other people and have projects to do with other people. So I, I think for me, what ended up happening was I, I, I've always wanted to go on each and every different project just because if I don't, then I feel like I'm not doing anything and I, and I feel like I'm wasting my time and I feel like that we're only, you know, we're only on this little rock that's cruising around the universe for so long. So like, for me, I'm like, I want to do as much as possible and I want to create as much as possible. And I'm also down, like I've been in the thing I love about it is that like, as much as it's been, I love creating stuff for myself. It's been so awesome to, at a, at a certain point, be creating with other people, you know, and, and not, not be the guy in the spotlight. Like, I, you know, obviously with stand up and being in bands, you know, I've, I've had plenty of backslaps and, you know, the guy I'm the, okay, you're the guy you're on stage, but it, it's also been great to be a part of projects, whether it's been, you know, like all the records that I got to be a part of and all the stuff that my partner, Bill and I, you know, Bill Armstrong and I got to do together. Like we really, I think that was one thing that I learned early on 
and it took a it took a minute when my band kind of ended and all of a sudden i was in this situation where i was like hey man how do i continue to create you know i'm no longer in a band i i was super grateful to have side one dummy because i learned you can still create and not be the focal point of that creation you know and when i say that i mean like working with bands being being the person to help that person realize their fullest potential and to help them get to where they want to be let you know help them get to selling out the show help them get to you know selling a million records and and honestly you know the thing that i feel mike is that you know, I've never sold the amount of records that Flog and Molly did. I never sold, I mean, I never was in a band as big as Gaslight Anthem or Go Go Bordello or Tidal Fight or any of those bands. But the thing that I that I loved was seeing those people obtain the goals and the dreams that I wanted as a as an artist and as a musician, but get to see them do it. And I realized, wow, you know, you still feel that sense of accomplishment, even when someone else does it and you're a part of it. Like I used to always have, I don't know if you remember me saying this at side one, I used to always have this thing where I was like, look, man, I don't care who scores, you know, who hits the, the winning home run or who hits the three pointer to win the game. I just want to have that Jersey on. And when I say I have that Jersey on, I meant it's like when Gaslight Anthem achieved the success that they did, whether it was playing with Springsteen or, or when Gogo Bordello did all the great things that they did or any of those things, I just wanted to be on the team and the team was Side One Dummy and Gogo Bordello. To go from project to project, whether it was a project with a band, whether it was my own personal project, it was always something super important just to be creating. So when, when you're preparing for, for an opportunity like touring with Jim Brewer or touring with Metallica, how do you prepare yourself and your material for that? Well, the Metallica thing, like that's a unique experience because I didn't get asked to go on tour with Metallica. Jim Brewer did. Now, you know, he's tight with those guys and he's friends with them like you and I are. You know, like, yo, it just happens to be his bros are Lars and James. And they were like, dude, we don't want to bring a band. We want to bring Jim Brewer. And this was just one of those opportunities that, and it has a lot to do with Brewer because I, Jim's opener, and and there was no reason for him to have to bring me on that tour. There was no, he, he didn't need Joe Sib out on tour opening for Metallica. But what he ended up doing was going, you know what, man? Like, I'm going to have to focus on what I got to do. And I think if you're there, Joe, you're going to be able to help me. I don't want to say guide, but you're going to be able to like, help me put together the show that we need to do. And, you know, honestly, his exact words were like, dude, this is your world of like music and, and kind of comedy coming together. Let's together put together something that we both think can work. And we did. And, you know, Jim crushed it. You know, I mean, he was doing, I mean, we were doing a two and a half hour show every single night and it involved music and it, Jim did 40 to 50 minutes of stand up in front of 23,000 Metallica fans. And it was epic preparing for that. It was a lot of him and I every single day doing what I just said, you know, 10 minutes ago, we'd get up in the morning and we'd have a pot of coffee and we'd have a notepad and we would just go through like, what do we want to tweak tonight? What do we want to not do? What do we want to do more of? What do we want to do less of? And, and we really were able to put together a show that, that worked. And, and I think that was just because the one thing that I learned from working with Metallica was they trusted Jim so much. They never once were 
coming into our dressing room or calling us going, Hey man, last night we were wondering, like, they just were like, dude, you guys do you. In this case, it was like, Jim, you do you. And then I just, you know, once again, I had the winning Jersey on and my gig was to make that show run flawlessly streamline it and also to kind of do what I've done with bands my entire life work with the artist Jim to have him have the best experience ever so that he has so the audience that is coming to that show has the best experience and that was that was my gig so the thing I loved about the Metallica gig was I was really doing I was being a comedian I was being a producer I was being a DJ I was being, you know, I was being that guy. So it was really, I would say the Metallica gig was testing all of my strengths as, as an artist. In talking to people, I think everyone has a little bit different version of what they would define as success. You absolutely fit into a version of success across everything you've done. My question to you is, why do you think you were successful? It's funny though, dude, it's like, you know, what is success? I think everyone has that question. Like when you say, yeah, dude, you're successful. Okay. You know, am I successful in the sense that like, I'm able to put food on the table for my family. Am I successful in the sense that I'm able to, to do what I love to do and get paid for it? Okay. That's one definition of success. You know, you are able to work for a living doing what you love and you're successful at it. Now, in my eyes, I'm not Brett Gerowitz. You know what I'm saying? Like when I see Brett Gerowitz, I'm like, holy shit, dude, that guy's fucking successful. I mean, he even looks successful. He has the trimmed beard and the nice glasses and the fucking, you know, perfect hair. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like he to me is, you know, successful as a record guy, you know, as a comedian, man, it's like, you know, whether it's Bill Burr, you know, Jim Brewer, Joe Rogan, dude, they're successful. You know, so like you have to be careful when you're who you're kind of measuring up against, but then you have to also not measure up against anyone. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, and I feel like what happens as human beings is we're always, if we're not careful, we don't enjoy the moments that are successful. You know, if you're a band and your whole life, you just wanted to write songs and, and go on the road and you're playing to 30 people a night, that's success. But what ends up happening is, you get in the van and everyone sits around and they go, God, man, we're only the opening act. Why aren't we the headliner? And then you start getting in your head about that. And, and as much as that can drive you to, to want to do better, it also can start putting a stopping block in front of you because you start not valuing what you have completed. I remember one time, I'm going to so much go for the name drop right now, but like one time I'm hanging out with Joey Ramone and, you know, I'm at his apartment and we're, you know, I'm, I'm just like, dude, you know, we're, we're talking about music and we're talking about his career. And I remember we went for a walk that day and we're walking around New York City and it was like, we went and got coffee. And I remember at the time we're walking through the city of New York and like fire trucks would go by and they would stop or honk their horn and be like, yo, Joey, you know, and he'd wave, you know, it was like walking around with the mayor, dude. It was just amazing. And I remember we, we popped into this bookstore and there was this Glenn Friedman, the photographer's book. Um, I think it was like, fuck your heroes or something like that. And we're looking at the book and there's some pictures of, of the Ramones in there. And Joey didn't even, he's looking at the book and before the Ramones pictures came up, he's like, oh, wow, this book's so great. He literally says, man, it'd be cool if we were in this book. And I'm like, 
what? And then, you know, as we go through the book, all of a sudden there's this full spread on Joey and the Ramones. And at that moment, I saw him kind of be like, God, he's the Ramones. He's like, I wish we were in this book. And then they are. And, and I remember talking to him about like being in the Ramones and like, and, and he still, dude, to the very end, he was like, yeah, but we never had a number one song. We never had a number one record. And I was like, but dude, you, you influenced everyone. Like there isn't a band in, in the world of like, say alternative music that isn't influenced by, even if you're not a Ramones fan, you're like, dude, I wear the tight jeans and um, I hang my bass low because there's this dude in the Ramones and it looks fucking cool. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, he, and they, you know, they were such an inspiration, but to him, his success, he, he, he knew they were a great band, but he said, yeah, we never had a number one record though. You know? And I was like, and do you know how many shitty bands have number one records, dude, that I wish never even existed. And they had a number one record or they had a number one song. But what I'm, my point to this is, is that as we go through life, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a, a plumber, you're always, I think, looking ahead and not valuing your success at that moment. And, it, and the only way we truly value the success and enjoy it is by not looking to the future, by just being in that moment and going, if you're a plumber and you're like, dude, worked on six houses today, gonna get off work. These are my tools. I got my family. I'm, I'm paying for all this food. We live in this home. All right, this is great. I'm not going to worry about the other guy that has the 20 jobs and the 15 rad vans and the 16 workers, you know, it's like, dude, enjoy what you've accomplished. And that's, I think the biggest hurdle I've gone through personally. And it's probably now being the age that I'm at, that I value the moment that I'm in going, you know what? I'm in Buffalo tonight and I'm opening for Brewer. And I'm going to tell jokes in front of, you know, 150 people or whatever. And that is epic. I'm not going to go, but dude, when do I get to come back and headline? And why don't I have a TV special? And why am I not on Netflix? And why don't I have a million Instagram followers? And why don't I, you know, it's like, dude, if you're not careful, man, you just start chasing it, dude. And if you chase it too much, you will chase yourself right out of this life, never enjoying the moment that you've had. That's great wisdom. Anything else that you want to talk about or plug? I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, anyone that's listening to this, man, you know, if there's anything you want to say or questions, I always love hearing from people. Uh, you can email me. Uh, it's just Joe at side one dummy.com. Super easy. Um, you know, hit me up on Instagram and, uh, you know, come out and, uh, see a show and, uh, and, and also just, just, I feel like there's three things that at this point are the most important thing to me. And it was like, I was, hanging out one day and I was, I was like writing down, like, what are the three things I want? And I realized it's like, I, I want to create, I want to be happy and I want to be loved. So it's like, if you create, you can control that. Like today you, you can wake up in the morning and you can be like, you know what, man, you know, uh, I'm starting a band and you know what, I'm going to write a song or I'm a writer. And I know no one knows, gives a fuck about me, but I am going to write something today. I'm going to write this paragraph or, you know what, I'm going to start a podcast and I know no one's listening to my podcast, but you know what, I'm going to do it and I'm going to create. So when you're creating, no matter what, dude, you're happy. So the first two you control, you control creating and you control being happy. That's like your choice. The last one being loved and, and being being loved by people or loving other people. That's the one that you have to work on. 
And I feel though, at least for my, this is just me, dude, talking on a corner. Where am I right now? I'm on some street in Buffalo. What I've realized is that if I have the first two, the third one has a way better chance of happening. And it, and it, and it, you see that start to happen. That to me are the three things. And also when you, I mean, the biggest thing, dude, I'll just tell you this right now is that what I've learned right now in my life is instead of saying, why does that person have this or, or being jealous or like having your passion be driven by, you know, you want to be the most successful instead. It's like when you just drop into being stoked for other people and, and, and being happy for them and, and truly, truly, you know, showing up in that kind of spirit, dude, doors open up that I've never seen open before when you just are, you know, like I remember a while ago, um, a friend of mine, you know, he, uh, his record came out and, and, and it, and it's doing really well. And instead of just hitting a little hard on there, I like, I was like, dude, fuck it. I'm going to send this guy a message, call him up, bro. I am so stoked for you, man. Like, and when you share like that, that just honest love and like just stokeness for someone else, I swear dude, the universe fucking throws some stokeness at you. And the next thing you know, shit starts happening that you never thought would happen. Absolutely. Joe, thank you so much for coming on with me today. Dude, Mike, thanks for having me, man. And um, it was so good to see you, dude. I'm so, dude, your story, dude. I mean, I, I don't even know if you're the listeners, you know, they, sh- I hope you share with them, dude. I mean, this, your journey, Mike, from when I met you, you know, l- look at, I mean, your journey of turning Bill and I on to Gaslight Anthem. I mean, none of that would have ever have happened if you wouldn't have taken the chance, came to LA decided I'm going to work in the music business, came in, started, you know, started lifting boxes, just, Hey, what do you need me to do? I mean, it all opened up and, and I love, I love your story, man. It's like, I always tell your story to people cause it's so inspiring. Thank you so much for listening today. Please subscribe to the artist work ethic podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts and please rate and review the show. Follow us on Instagram at the artists work ethic and check out the artists work ethic.com.